On this episode of the BYO Nano podcast, the economy is front and center, and we talk about brewery finance, best practices, and planning for both the immediate and long-term future. This is John Hall, and welcome to episode 32. The bottom line is more important than ever, with supply chain issues, inflation, and general concern about labor and the economy, small brewery owners are facing some sleepless nights. You're not alone, and today's panel will talk about their own experiences what they're hearing, and they're going to offer advice and practical steps for the coming weeks and beyond. But first, a word of thanks to the show sponsors, and we hope you'll give them a closer look. Hello, nano brewers. Try adding a cider to your brews. Fermentus, the obvious choice for beverage fermentation, has made it really easy for you by developing four strains specifically for cider. Whether you want a crisp, sweet, or fruity cider, discover the Safe Cider range. The four cider strains are available in five gram pouches, the perfect size for you. Just make your choice or try them all. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation, and for the latest on their exciting new product releases, visit Fermentus.com. And make your next lip-smacking beer with the help of Five Star Chemicals. Like most of you listening, Five Star loves a good drink. That's why Five Star makes life easier for brewers of all levels and brewing at all sizes. Sign up for Five Star's Homebrew Club for free seminars featuring big names in the industry, exclusive product testing, and 20% off of your next order. Raise a glass at fivestarchemicals.com and sign up now. And Yakima Chief Hops has the tools for your hop playbook, from classic favorites to the next exciting hop product out of the YCH R&D lab. Partnering with growers and brewers to create a robust hop supply chain and propagation to pint, YCH is the source for exciting experimental hop varietals, including HBC 586, HBC 630, and HBC 638. Explore novel aroma profiles, discover new recipes, and get creative with experimental hop varieties. Learn more at yakimachief.com. And you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's new Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nanoplus for more details. It has been a nonstop grind these last few years, and the tough news and situations continue to pile up. Small breweries dealing with the rising cost of ingredients, supplies, and equipment. And that leads to tough decisions, like the question of what can be passed on to the consumer. There are practical steps you can take to stay afloat and to even get on better footing for when the economy rebounds. And we're going to hear about all of that and more from our expert panel of guests that include Noreen Otto, a Wisconsin native who relocated to Iowa to attend college and law school. After graduation, she worked in a number of political roles, and then she spent seven years focused on state and federal policy for Hy-Vee Incorporated as vice president of government relations. Her work focused on retail business issues and collaborative work with associations. Noreen also served as the chief administrative officer for specialty cheesemaker Maytag Dairy Farms before joining the Iowa Brewers Guild as the executive director in the fall of 2021. 
recovering home brewer Rick Werner founded Brewery Finance in 2005 as a way to help the craft brewing community. The first equipment finance company created for America's craft beer trade, Brewery Finance has provided over 1,500 startup and established brewers with vital funding to help them launch, grow, and flourish. Rick's method for finding brewing funding is almost as creative as craft beer. He is a proud Colorado native and resident. And in addition to exceptional craft beer, Rick believes in Coulter Wall, Slow Pour Pills, Good Horses, and the power of a good Jamie and Jennifer Ratcliffe are the owners of Sixth Sense Brewing in Jackson, Ohio. They've been married for 22 years and have been in the restaurant industry for just as long, which is where their love of craft beer began. The couple opened their first bar and grill in 2000 and a second in 2013, and then the brewery in 2017. They have since sold both restaurants and are enjoying focusing solely on expanding the brewery. Sixth Sense is currently operating a 1,500 square foot tap room with a small three barrel system and recently added a seven barrel system focused on canning. A new tap room building was purchased two months ago, and there they're going to expand their food and tap room for their guests to enjoy. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being on the show this month. And Nureen, I want to start with you because I know that you've been uh, out and about in the world and, and <laughs> talking with brewers and talking with other guild directors. And I, I'm, I'm wondering in your travels and conversations over the last couple of weeks or even over the weekend, how often the economy was coming up? Yeah, pretty frequently. I mean, everybody felt like they were breathing a little bit better, like we were seeing a little bit of economic stability come back. Um, we've gotten some good reports from the National Brewers Association on the general state of craft brewing almost coming back to sort of pre-pandemic level. So I think everybody was feeling pretty good. And then we really started to, to enter into this inflationary period and almost some intensification of the problems with supply chain. So, you know, the guild leaders from around the country, we were at a round table just this last weekend and everybody is just trying to kind of get a feel for how long this current state is going to be and try and be as supportive and really step up to meet the needs of members more than ever. Where are you seeing the, the, the member needs the most right now? Yeah, you know, I think um, here in Iowa, we're right in the middle of the country. We're a pretty rural state, um, and we're finding that our similarly situated states are feeling the same thing we are, and that's, that's really employment. I mean, I know it's a nationwide problem, but we have pretty flat population growth here in the state. So outside the major Des Moines metropolitan area, there's really... Um, we're really struggling to find folks to fully staff um, all the needs that a brewery who wants to grow is seeing. That's a that's a big continuing area of concern. And I think when you don't have enough people, it puts even more pressure on supply chain because you don't have that flexibility um, to be light and nimble and fast on your feet, which is what this new supply chain and inflationary period is really putting pressure on. You can't really act quickly if you don't have enough hands on deck. Rick, I know you are well-versed in equipment finance um, and, and, and heading, uh, helping folks get uh, what they need in-house. Where do things stand with the supply chain right now? Um, yeah, it's, to be honest, the, um, 
from my perspective, the supply chain for equipment um, is it, it, it's not changed a whole lot in terms of what we're hearing from vendors in terms of how they how long they quote it's going to get something how long it's how long it's going to take to get something manufactured. The the problem that we seem to be running into now is how long is it going to take to get that thing shipped, uh, whether it's coming from overseas or across country or whatever. Uh, we have a client right now who. Um, bought some equipment from overseas. He's been waiting for it for months and it finally arrived in port at some point in time last week. And uh, I'll be darned if the, uh, the, the, the trucking company that was tasked with delivering it from the port to his brewery didn't have the right licensing or something like that um, oh, to deliver the, the equipment. Oh, so, so now they're dealing with yet another challenge. This is a startup. They're, um, they're bootstrapping it. And, you know, I just don't, I feel so bad for these brewers because how do you plan for something like that? Um, so the, yeah, the supply chain is a very, very real concern. Jamie and Jennifer, you've been in hospitality for 22 years with uh, two different restaurants and now the, the, the brewery. Um, over the course of the last two decades plus, has it ever been like this? In your experience, no, no, it's I mean, it's never been. Um, I I feel like we just got hit hard and fast. I mean, with a lot of this, and when that happens, it's just hard to. I mean, you you can pivot as much as possible, but I mean, we're finding that it's it's just becoming really hard to to play catch up. I mean, and you know inflation and and um employment and you know, kind of the some of the things we've already talked about i mean it's just and we are also in a very very small town um so for us we kind of get hit with the uh the triple whammy of of uh not a lot of i don't want to say skilled people but um obviously for the brewing industry and uh, you know a lot of the uh from the restaurant standpoint and cooking i mean it, you know there there is some skill to that that you know people don't think they're you know they're they're it's really there but so we're yeah it's it's tough um and, and now everything costs you know three times more so so for us it's it's been it's been rough we're trying to navigate out of it um as best we can so I think one of the main frustrations about it is the fact that, um, you know, the restaurant industry and obviously the craft brewing industry is hard enough as it is, you know, organization and ordering and, and uh, scheduling and all of that. But then, you know, when you place orders and you do everything right on your end and then things don't show up and nobody seems to have an answer for that, um, you know, you order a box of tomatoes and or mayonnaise at the restaurant and the next thing you know, well, we just don't have it this week and nobody cares. <laughs> and that's the frustration of it. You know, your salespeople have their hands tied too, and uh, it, it makes it really tough. And that never happened before. Yeah. yeah. Noreen, have, with any of your members, um, let, let's talk about labor for a minute. With sure. ha, Have any of your members or at that round table with other guild directors, has anybody been able to find a way to crack the code because it, it, it is harder i think in more rural areas you know to, to to find folks um 
there's a certain amount of passion for beer. And I think people you know, who are committed enough might want to um, be willing to relocate for the, for the right reasons, but have, ha- has anybody really been able to find even just small solutions? That you've <laughs> yeah, heard? no, it's a great question. And, you know, I, it's not something I pitched to my members yet, but we had a really long discussion as guild leaders about, um, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head, John, about there's people out there who are passionate about beer. And those are maybe the people we, we chase both to be customers, but also potential employees, right? Um, you know, our whole industry, a lot of the breweries come from folks who tap into a personal passion, they're home brewers, and now all of a sudden they're running this amazing, you know, small business. Um, but we're probably getting to the point as an industry where we need to, to talk about where we're posting jobs and where we're looking, because that, that pipeline might be tapped, pardon the terrible, terrible pun. Um, <laughs> you know, we need to look outside those traditional pipelines. So if we're talking already and people are in your brewery already who know and love beer, you know, they're aware of jobs and positions and and they're not applying or they're not working there already for whatever reason. So how do we go out and reach, um, you know, other sectors where we haven't posted jobs, where we haven't done job fairs, other communities that maybe need to be more aggressively invited in as potential employee pools. So this obviously bleeds over into talking about, you know, diversity and inclusion with our industry, which is a a whole nother conversation. but you know it goes hand in hand. So how do we reach out to community colleges that um, you know don't maybe have a brewery program, but they have a management program, they have an entrepreneurial program. Um, you know they have folks who are like, hey, I don't want to work in a restaurant, but we talk about, hey, we need folks who understand operations and shipping and sales. Um, I think that's going to really be critical in the coming months for for breweries, um, especially small breweries. I think like a lot of my members and like, you know, Jamie and Jennifer's brewery. Yeah. Jennifer and Jamie, have you had luck reaching out beyond the normal, the normal channels, or is that something that you're building towards now? You know, that's a really good question. And I was just part of an economic development uh, forum here in our area. Uh, They asked me to speak on this very thing. And, um, one of the things I was a little hypercritical about and um, probably stuck my foot in my mouth, but it was it was the truth, is that we have reached out to, um, we have a local technical college, actually we have several local technical schools and colleges, um, and we reached out to them. Uh, one actually has a brewing program and you get crickets. And, and I'm thinking, wait a minute here, um, this is not cool. Like we all need to work together. And so by the end of the forum, I think some of the other people kind of chimed in and said they'd had the same experiences. So we talked about actually getting um, uh, kind of a liaison, if you will, together to um, maybe be that go between, between the schools and um, the, you know, the employers, whether it be a brewery or restaurant or, you know, a construction or or any uh, thing of that matter. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here real quick. Yeah, please. This is one of the notes that I had to talk about today is, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, the parallels between our industry and like hospitality, like restaurant, the restaurant industry in particular. And here in Iowa, we're going to start doing sort of a soft pivot 
to really um, continuing to consider, you know, the hospitality aspects of our industry, but to really start thinking about ourselves also as manufacturers. And I yes. think that's maybe something that's gotten lost during pandemic is because we do depend on obviously foot traffic and customers physically in tap rooms. Um, but we are primarily, I mean, we're a manufacturing um, industry as well. And so, you know, I was so happy to hear Jennifer say construction because it's, we have a shocking amount of people who have come to the industry from construction backgrounds. And mm -hmm. so um, I think starting to maybe do a soft refocus on some of that manufacturing aspect, especially when we're seeing nationwide working in hospitality and food service is, I mean, there is a serious employment crisis happening there. And so how do we talk about maybe some of the, the other aspects of a brewery that, that aren't that focused? Rick, in your conversations with, with clients, have you seen that shift as well, uh, a shift in the mindset? Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't really get into that with, with our clients. Certainly, we as an underwriter look at the at, at brewers as manufacturers. Um, um, but uh, when, when we're talking to clients, we're talking to them about, you know, credit, time in business, average bank balance, that kind of thing. So um, I, I, I guess I can't really answer that one intelligently. Totally get it. Um, well, what are some of the conversations that you're having these days? Uh, with our clients? Um, yeah. We're looking at, uh, you know, how do we become more efficient? You know, it used to be, you know, pre-pandemic, it was kind of like, how do we produce more and more beer? You know, how do we get you more fermenters or a larger canning line or something like that? And now it's like, well, how do we get more efficient? How do we um, replace your, your old glycol chiller or... Um, do you have room to get a, uh, a taller 20 barrel fermenter in there instead of your, 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 uh, smaller 15 or 10 barrel fermenter or something like that. Um, so with, with us, it's, it's more about, you know, how can we do more with less, um, not necessarily just grabbing more real estate and more equipment, but, um, uh, you know, like we've talked about, there's, there's fewer employers, employees out there, um, it's, it's scary to expand because real estate's expensive. Um, so how do we just do more with less? Jamie said something earlier that that's been rattling around in the back of my brain of uh, trying to play catch up uh, over the last couple of years. And Rick, what you're, what you're just saying is, is makes me wonder if trying to play catch up isn't necessarily the right game anymore, as much as it may be you know, this is the chessboard that we're on now. It's a different game and let's just start playing that. Is that, and, and Jamie, I'm not trying to dismiss what you said. I'm just sort of thinking like, is that one of those, you know, does the industry need a shift right now of saying, okay, well, that's where we wanted to be a couple of years ago. And we're trying to get to that point as opposed to, can we strengthen where we are now? Uh, yeah, I, I think, um, I think I'm seeing a lot of that. Um, there's, you know, I have clients that are, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting because it seems like all of this has impacted different breweries differently. You know, we, we have some clients that, that just absolutely killed it through the pandemic. And, um, and that was probably because they were in uh, a, a smaller area with not so many breweries and very, very close, um, good relationships with the local community. So people came in and just really, really wanted to support them and make sure that they're there at the end of the 
pandemic. And so now that they got there, um, rather than adding a big new brew house, they're looking at other areas in town where they can open up a second tasting room or something like that. Something that is just very um, right in their wheelhouse, something that they've already done before, you know, rather than open up distribution, um, let's just see if we can go, you know, find another place 10 or 15 miles away and fill that, that tasting room too. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, I, like, like Jamie had said, you know, you do all the pivoting you can. And, um, and, and I just, I, I don't know what works and what doesn't work. All I know is that from what I've seen, brewers are the most creative people I've, <laughs> I've ever had the pleasure of working with. Um, and, uh, and, and they can be pretty inspiring as well. Jamie and Jennifer, um, th does that, it, when you're, when you were saying catch up before, um, has your mindset changed in the last two or so years? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, as far as the catch up thing goes, I mean, I think for us, I mean, you know, we opened a tap room with a small, you know, a small system in it. And, you know, I, I am not a brewer. Jen's not a brewer. I mean, we, we have, uh, you know, we have people who brew and, you know, in a perfect world, I mean, we would make enough money in that tap room to pay the employees and have make a nice little living and all that. And, and for what us, what, for us, what we found is that that just didn't happen. Um, so, you know, for us, we got together and I'm like, what are we going to do here? I mean, this, this isn't a sustainable business for us. So, you know, we bought another small system, um, used and, bought a canning line. So now we're relying on, you know, distribution, um, selling cans and kegs as, you know, a fairly big part of, of what the business model is right now, which, you know, it's, it's fine and good, but for a small, for our size, I mean, that's, I mean, the margins that you're, you know, you're, you're taking a humongous hit, um, because your margins just suck. Um, I mean, really? So, that's kind of where we are, um, you know, so then the third aspect of that is, man, I mean, and that's where we are right now. We bought another building to expand the tap room and to expand that experience, you know, for a small town and try to give, try to give this town more of something that uh, it doesn't have. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're in this, uh, we tried this, um, that didn't quite go as we planned. We tried this, it's going okay. So let's try this. Um, so hopefully this one, this one's the winner. Um, it's what we're hoping. Well, it's very hard in a small town, uh, especially like the size of Jackson. We're only 6,000 people. So getting people to, to get off their Bud Light and, you know, Michelob Ultra and whatever, and just even walk in and, and understand what a tap room end is, is uh, very difficult. Um, so just getting them educated is, is step number one. And then, um, so our tap room is very, very small just can't fit a lot of people in it. So I think that's detrimental from the get-go as well um, because people just feel like, well, there's not going to be a seat in there, so I'll just move on. So that's where we're doing the expansion. And uh, we have some really cool ideas for that. I think it's going to go over really well. I like hearing that. Yeah, yeah, we're just super saying. excited about it. Noreen, I, I wanted to, um, I, I, I'm wondering if in any of your conversations with members or, or guilds, like if you're hearing similar things on expansion or um, 
a refocusing of efforts beyond uh, what people might have planned, you know, even six months ago? Yeah, there's been a lot of um, buzz here. Um, we passed a change to Iowa State statute that allowed um, for a second location for um, brew pubs. And it does have some manufacturing requirement, but what we're seeing now is really similar to Jamie and Jennifer. Um, you know, we have folks who are have a great flagship, um, but they're hitting population capacity and growth capacity. So they're, we're seeing a whole bunch of second tap rooms pop up in, you know, where the population is here in Des Moines. And then we actually have a member who's opening a second location in Iowa City, which is the home of the University of Iowa. So you have a nice student population there, someone looking at opening a second location. So um, I think there is a lot of thought about, you know, I've got my tap room, got some distribution and canning in place, and now I need to, to open that second room. So the more space, you know, you're in front of more people, the more audience you can reach um, and just, you know, really parallel to what Jamie and Jennifer are saying. Um, you know, we're fortunate that our state law allows for that. We'll get back to our panel in a moment, but first, another word of thanks to our sponsors, and we hope you'll give them a closer look. Hello, nano brewers. Try adding a cider to your brews. Fermentus, the obvious choice for beverage fermentation, has made it really easy for you by developing four strains specifically for cider. Whether you want a crisp, sweet, or fruity cider, discover the Safe Cider range. The four cider strains are available in five gram pouches, the perfect size for you. Just make your choice or try them all. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation and for the latest on their exciting new product releases, visit Fermentus.com. And make your next lip-smacking beer with the help of Five Star Chemicals. Like most of you listening, Five Star loves a good drink. That's why Five Star makes life easier for brewers of all levels and brewing at all sizes. Sign up for Five Star's Homebrew Club for free seminars featuring big names in the industry, exclusive product testing, and 20% off of your next order. Raise a glass at fivestarchemicals.com and sign up now. And Yakima Chief Hops has the tools for your hop playbook from classic favorites to the next exciting hop product out of the YCH R&D lab. Partnering with growers and brewers to create a robust hop supply chain and propagation to pint, YCH is the source for exciting experimental hop varietals, including HBC 586, HBC 630, and HBC 638. Explore novel aroma profiles, discover new recipes, and get creative with experimental hop varieties. Learn more at yakmachief.com. And you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's new Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nano plus for more details. Then this is sort of a jump ball question for anybody who wants to, to, to get in on it though. For a small brewer that's listening right now and saying, you know, boy, I'd, I'd, I'd love to do that, but you know, I'm not quite sure that I can um, or even that I should. Um, what's one or two pretty early baseline questions 
that a brewer should be asking themselves before thinking about that kind of expansion versus some other kind of alternative? I mean, I think, I mean, from our standpoint, I think that, um, I mean, if you're doing way more distro than you want to do, I mean, I, I think that's, that's, and that's how we are. I mean, I mean, we're doing, I mean, it's probably 50, 50 right now between beer that we're distroing and beer that we're selling in the tap room. Um, so if, I mean, if you have the capacity to make the beer, um, and you can sell it over the counter, um, you know, at that margin opposed to, you know, really not a very good margin when you're selling it, you know, through distro, even if you're doing it yourself, like we are, um, you know, across the counter, you're, you're all in, you know, what, eight, 10% and, and kegs and cans, you're, you're pushing 50%, um, what you have in, what, you know, what you're in. So, yeah, I mean, if you have, if you have the product, I mean, I think it's, you know, on some level, I mean, obviously there's some cost and uh, not some cost. there's a significant cost involved in that, but I, I mean, you're making that money back, um, but just margin is, is, is kind of like a no brainer. Yeah. I, I, if I can chime in there, I, I, I totally yeah, agree um, with Jamie. Like I, I, as you ask that question, I find myself thinking, and of course I'm not a brewer, so Jamie and Jennifer can tell me if I'm wrong or just how wrong I am. But, um, you know, it, it, it seems to me, uh, if you have the beer, um, you obviously want to sell it across your bar. Um, and it might be worth investing in that experience at the brewery, drawing more people in more than getting, you know, a distribution agreement going or, or spreading yourself so thin, because once you get, I'm imagining once you get those, those, those fannies in the, in the bar seats, um, language please <laughs> i apologize for my discouraging words <laughs> once you get those asses in the bar seats thank you very you much go. yeah there it is i forgot the audience i'm talking to <laughs> um i think it's just it, it, it's, it's a, it could be i guess depending on the population and whatnot it could be a much better investment to just give people an experience that they want to come to you for rather than go out to the you know the the grocery store or the liquor store for and, um, you know, and so it's, it's, I imagine it'd be a much nicer problem to have to sit there and say, okay, well, how do we get another fermenter in here? Because we're selling so much beer over the counter, then yeah. how do we get a canning line and then staff it and then cans and then labels, you know, um, no, it just seems to make sense to me. Yep. Yeah, and to Rick's point, I think that you need to, um, do things in the tap room, like you said, to, to bring people in. So what Jamie and I were trying to do when we bought this new building, so we're going to go from like 1200 square feet to 6,000 square feet. So Ooh. yeah, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. one square foot for every person in the, in the town. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrifying. Um, no, we were thinking about what are things in this town um, that is needed? What is, what is missed? And strangely enough, we came back to the old school, um, sports bar. Um, so I think part of our, uh, idea is to, to, you know, put some TVs in and, you know, have that section of, of the place. There's not a place in Jackson where you can go watch a game of, of any sort. Oof. And, wow. um, wow. yeah, it's really bizarre. You know, there's all this other stuff. And so, you know, we're, we're going to take part of it and do that. And, and I think you just have to kind of think about what, 
what your customers want to need and, and provide it with them. God knows that we're not, you know, smart enough to tell them what they want. They tell us what they want. <laughs> but it, it, that's so interesting because I think about what craft or microbrew or whatever 40 years ago was trying to be of bucking trends. But now that it is mm-hmm. at least in the mainstream consciousness, you know, it doesn't have to be a pristine tap room. It doesn't have to be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the brewers, I guess, I, I'm sure you want your own vision in there, but um, to fill a need in an area while also serving your beer uh, across the bar, um, that sort of signifies, at least in my mind, a little bit of a shift in the way owners are thinking about how their beer is, is, is given to people or sold to people. Oh, 100%. Uh, not to mention any names. We have a, a very good friend down the road that also has a brewery. And, um, you know, when they first opened, they do a lot of sours, things like that. He would have died to, to brew an IPA and uh, it just wasn't going to happen. And um, the next thing I know, we were there the other day and well, there's three or four of them up on the board. And I know that it just chokes him every time he has to do it, but he also understands that it's, it's, you know, it is what it is and people want that and you have to have diversity and variety. And, um, you know, and, and to your point as well, John, you can have the best beer in the world, but if you don't have a cool environment or a place that people want to come in to, um, they're not going to come in. And we've been to many breweries where we haven't particularly cared for the beer, but the space is fantastic. And it's a place you want to be. Noreen, have you seen that with your members of? Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, the, some of the most successful, and I'm thinking really about the smaller members, some of the most successful small members are the ones who have a really good relationship with their city and their region. And so, you know, and I've served in government and elected roles and things like that. There's so much info out there about the population, about if they commute, you know, your growth statistics, you know, the average median age of your community. So I think our best members are the ones who really look around and, and try and fill that hole in the community. You know, and I was thinking a little bit about your story about your friend who begrudgingly started brewing IPA, which I was yes. like, holy cow, that's an outlier in the brewing industry. But, um, you know, I, we used to, I used to hear a lot in the retail food industry, um, fast, a fast nickel versus a slow dime, right? And, you know, I think brewers are starting to be really cognizant of, I can brew these beautiful, incredible award-winning beers. And, and it's important to do some of that. And that's your, that's your slow dime. That's, building your reputation, winning awards, being able to talk about that, getting known on a national level. But that fast nickel, that's the, you know, my girlfriends want to have a fruited sour. They need something lighter. Maybe they even want a hard seltzer. You know, my book club, I'm probably the only one who, who even drinks IPA. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably going to offend one other person now that I said that, but you know, you got to make that, you got to make that money by meeting your your customers where they are right now. And some of that, you just got to have a really good pulse on the community and what they want. You know, someday the dream will be, um, you know, we'll reduce the overall consumption of bush light here in the state of Iowa and, and get folks to realize how much better life can be. But, um, you know, in the meantime, you got to, you got to invite people in and, and brew something that will get them, get their foot in the door. And so, 
you know, I love what you guys were saying about how you do that, but lots of resources out there to help get a feel for the economics, the makeup, um, and sort of the flow of your community. And that's really critical. Rick, what are you seeing right now as what brewers are looking to add on equipment wise? Are we still in the, uh, the packaging phase or are there other things that, that, that brewers are looking towards these days from, from your conversations and experiences? Sure. Uh, we, we are still seeing some, some packaging requests. Um, nothing like the initial days of the pandemic where everyone was, was trying to get a canning line or a yeah. crowler or something like that. Um, I've been working on some, actually a lot of kind of bizarre one-off types type stuff lately, like uh, forklifts or, um, replacing uh, glycol chillers, like I mentioned earlier. Right. Um, a, a fair number of clients who are just getting additional fermenters um, or adding adding to their existing canning line. This is for probably some of the larger brewers, but getting um, more efficient with a better depalletizer or um, you know conveyance system or that kind of thing. Just it's just really about what I'm seeing anyway. Not necessarily so much about expansion, but about making life easier on the few employees that you manage to have right now. I, I, I've been trying to think about the best way to uh, ask this question because I, I, I don't fully, it, it's not fully formed. So bear with me as, as, as I go through it. When somebody is looking to get a new piece of equipment, the, obviously the decision has been made or they hope to make it, but they say, okay, we need a forklift. And now we're going to go about getting it. From your perspective, when should people start? There was such a rush on equipment in the past and everybody's worried about their bottom line now. Is it okay to be reaching out? Is it okay to be asking these questions when it's still just a germination of an idea of what you might need down the road versus, okay, we're right up against you know, this brick wall right now. Totally. And okay. Totally. Yeah. I, I would absolutely encourage that. I mean, explore your options before uh, you run out of options. Um, I, I have no problem with somebody coming to me and saying, Hey, we put a, a $15,000 deposit down on this canning line and uh, we need to pay the rest of it off right now. We need to do it this week. Um, that's an easy, very easy deal for me to help them close as long as they're, you know, they're credit worthy and whatnot. Um, but because at that point in time, I'm about not me, just me, but companies like mine are about the only option you have. You need somebody who can work quickly and uh, and get get deals funded quickly, and that's what we do. Um, but by doing that, you've eliminated other options, such as maybe talking to your bank or maybe be able to save some money up and pay cash or something like that. So um, I totally encourage people to start kind of exploring what their options are or what different options may look like. Um, as far in advance as they, you know, as soon as they have the tickle, <laughs> start doing the research. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it just, it, it, I feel like the last couple of years have just haven't given people the space to breathe or to, to, to really think it's just been go, go, go. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's totally fair. And, and people are just living in kind of a reaction mode rather than a, a, a proactive mode. And that's, Absolutely. yeah, that's a challenge. Noreen, with that in mind, though, of the increased pressure from all sides, um, I know the idea of mental health, the idea of um, giving people 
uh, space to breathe or to, mm-hmm. to just sort of clear their heads a little bit has been top of mind um, you know, on the state level, on the national level, and certainly on the on the local level um, a, a, as well. Are, are those conversations still happening? Are those still things that we should all be encouraging folks to be thinking about? Like discussions around wellness? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You know, I'm, I'm um, a lawyer by training, actually. And so this is um, the legal industry is really parallel to the brewing industry in this discussion. Um, it's actually now a requirement that lawyers do a, an hour of wellness training every year, because I think we're recognizing fast-paced um, reactionary environments like in the brewing industry. I mean, it, it's almost harder on, on people. And now you have, you know, employment shortages and your timelines maybe constantly need adjusting because of supply chain. I mean, that that's incredibly exhausting. Um, and you're going to burn out yourself, but, and you're going to burn out your employees. Um, there was a lot of discussion at the guild roundtable about um, wellness on every level and how you kind of create cultures of giving people the ability to say, I can't take that on. Um, you know, I think we were just talking about, you know, frenetic paces and being pretty reactionary because so much outside of the control of the brewery right now. Um, more important than ever is kind of going back to, you know, what's our mission, what's our strategic plan so that you remain focused and so that everybody remains kind of on the same page, um, knowing where you want to be as a business. Um, staying true to those core values also helps avoid, you know, mission creep and job creep um, and maybe brings you back to a point of centering, which is really important to, to stay balanced um, with your business. You know, I know we're talking about being creative and adjusting and expanding and all that, but um, making sure you're, you're keeping in line with um, a strategic plan or do one if you have not done a strategic plan. <laughs> I'm a huge believer in that those give you... Um, give you kind of a grounding document that can remind you to, to keep some of the extraneous things away. But yeah, wellness is huge. You know, I, that's an American trend that, that I hate to even say trend, but it's hopefully a soft shifting that we're seeing across our workplaces. I mean, I don't think that the employment crunch in the retail and food service and service industry sectors are a coincidence. Um, that we're talking about, you know, record high burnout, that stuff doesn't go away. We don't find new employees without creating cultures where people have the space to rest. I could talk about it all day. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's important <laughs> yeah, to be I love, talking about. The burnout discussion is a really, really important one. I think just understanding what burnout look, looks like, um, especially for owners and entrepreneurs is incredibly important. Um, I came from a big, big corporate job and I loved it. And I, you know, was high flying better than I ever thought I was going to be. And then I read an article about burnout and had to leave the office because I was like, you know, crying in my office and fall apart and realized, you know, I was well down the path of that. And it's just, it's not sustainable um, for brewery owners, for brewers, even for your, you know, your staff. Um, The signs of burnout are varied and um, it's really important that people be clued into it. It looks like a lot of different things. You know, it can look like depression. It can look like tiredness. It can look like aggravation. Um, 
but it's also absenteeism, um, lack of joy, you know, maybe you adjust your hours, you do retreats, um, you meet people where they are, but yeah, burnout's um, something we have to be just as plugged into as we need to be with supply chain. Yeah. Jamie and Jennifer, with, with that in mind, when you're in the tap room, are, are you seeing it not only you know, among the, you know, the people that you're working with, um, but people who are coming through the door? Because I, I, I feel like right now we're at this place where the economy is top of mind for everybody. And um, at least the circles that I run in, people are worried about bills and inflation and the rising cost of um, all, all of their bills. Um, and you know, breweries are coming up with the, the, the difficult decision of when they need to pass on um, some of these, these rising costs that they're facing in the back to the, to, to the consumers. Um, wh- what is it like on the front lines for you all? Well, not to make light of the situation, but uh, my dad was talking to me the other day and he said, you know, you're in the right business. And I said, why is that? And he said, because people drink when they're happy and they drink when they're sad and depressed and all of that. And he said, you know, all of this has gone around this entire pandemic and, and uh, again, not making light of it, but he's yeah. absolutely right. So um not that you want to see people come in and, and be depressed and drink. You certainly don't want that, but no. um, sometimes that, that is what happens. And, uh, but I think it's just worth having conversations. We, you know, we do live in a small town and, you know, everybody pretty much knows everybody. And if they don't, they make it up. Um, but I think it's really great for, for people to come in and, and for a tap room to be a gathering place where people from all walks of life can come in and just kind of sit down and chit chat about this very thing that we're talking about right now. And, you know, maybe help each other out along the way and, and, um, you know, celebrate the the successes and, and also, um, you know, mourn the, the failures and, and, uh, but just in a small community, be there for each other. And, and I think that's great. What, what the craft industry can do for you. Have you all had the conversation as to raising prices and what that looks like and how, um, when to, when to pass on additional costs that have come into the brewery? Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, yeah. We just raised prices, uh, probably a month or so ago. We also have a food truck that we run, uh, as well. So, um, that's a whole other animal that we can talk about, um, doing the, the food and, and of course price increases on that, but but yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, it's just inevitable. I mean, and you you have this, you know, this back and forth with yourself trying to figure out, well, if I do this, is it going to affect, you know, is someone going to say something? And I mean, across the board, and this even goes back into, I mean, you know, we sold this restaurant, this last restaurant six months ago, and it even goes back to that. I mean, we raised, I think we raised prices three times before we sold the restaurant. Um but no one, I mean, we had no blowback whatsoever. Um, so, I, you know, I kind of feel like everybody, I don't want to say everybody's in the same boat, mm-hmm. but everybody has been affected by this COVID and I mean, all of this, whatever you want to call this right now. I mean, everybody's yeah. been affected by it in one way or the other. So I think everybody is, you know, on some level in the same boat with this, um, with this thing. So it's, uh, but yeah, luckily we have not had any blowback as far as, as far as 
raising the prices, which is which is good. I, I think mean, also, because, sorry not to yeah, interrupt. But I think also if you're you're just honest with people and tell them, you know, I think people get it if you just have that conversation. Consumer awareness is so high right now about supply chain and the pressures. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many phone calls have I gotten about CO2 pricing and, and CO2 supply chain, you know, and we're talking about a single good in an industry, but I think you're exactly right, Jamie and Jennifer, that, you know, consumers understand it and they want, they understand that it's a last, you know, last ditch effort for business to raise their prices. I mean, the brewing industry is certainly not parallel to big oil where folks are very suspicious about the profits going up quarter to quarter. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I think, especially in a small town, you know, I've seen small restaurants say, we're so, so sorry. We're so sorry. We had to, oh my goodness. We can't. And I'm like, just do it. Everybody gets yeah. it. It's not a surprise. It is the world that we're living in as Americans. Um, so I think people are, are pretty tolerant of it, you know, and I always am a big believer incremental, increases is better than all of a sudden now we're, we have to increase our cost by 50% because we put it off yeah. for too long. Right. That's yeah. Super critical business decision, obviously. Rick, I want to, as we start to, to wind this down, I, I wanted to just jump back to something that you were saying before about, you know, when people get the tickle of an idea, um, is there, even before that step, ha have you, been able to counsel brewers in the past or have conversations with folks about slowing down a little bit. We are talking about some of the mental health, but slowing down a little bit and thinking about strategic growth um, and what they might need going forward um, that can then produce that, that germination of an idea, that tickle of an idea. And, and um, Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 please go ahead. I say I, I haven't had specific conversations like that, but it's a great idea to have conversations to start those conversations. Um, I've as as a uh, as somebody who's financed breweries for a long time, um, it's it's been pretty obvious that the nonstop growth, just chasing growth for growth growth's sake, isn't the answer. Mm -hmm. Especially since so many people start a brewery as a as a lifestyle, um, you know, career not necessarily just because they want to become millionaires. I mean, there's <laughs> how many millionaires are there, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, so, so I think, I think especially a couple of years ago, it was really easy to get caught up in, well, shoot, if we make more, we sell more. And so let's just make a whole heck of a lot more. Um, I, I, I think it's much healthier as a, like I'm a business owner too. Um, it's, it's much healthier for me to slow things down. I'm doing less business and less marketing, less calls than I ever have. And uh, it's because I like, I like spending my day looking, you know, looking at trees, walking through the woods <laughs> rather than shuffling paperwork. And mm -hmm. so as much as I love working with breweries, there's got to be a balance there. And uh, I think that's got to be the case with, with any small brewer. Jamie and Jennifer, does that sort of square with you all and selling the restaurant and focusing in on the brewery? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, we, the restaurant we just sold was, uh, I mean, we like to say it was like a runaway train. And this is why it's, it's, it's kind of polarizing for us. Um, I mean, that restaurant was busy from the day and from the minute it opened to the, the you know, to when it closed every night. And it was, you know, it's rewarding for us to see that, but mm. um, at the end of the day, I mean, it got to the point of, 
you know, like we were talking earlier, burnout and this, that, and the other, it was like, I, it doesn't make any difference to me whether this thing makes us a zillion dollars or not. This is just getting ridiculous. Um, the stress level and everything else, you know, on top of everything else that we're dealing with. Um, so, you know, then we, we, we shift to the, to the brewery and to what we're doing now. And, you know, those worries are, man, if we could just get more people through the door, um, so it's, it's completely like, the it's, opposite. It's this really weird, <laughs> interesting. It's just really weird thing to wrap, try to wrap your head around. Um, and then on, you know, on the back end of that is like, okay, so we, now we just bought this six thousand square foot building. Are we, are we walking right back into what we just <laughs> were so thankful to get out of? Um, so yeah, that's a that's a juggling act that we're trying to figure out right now. Um, so but we think we have some ideas, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, I, I think everybody gets to the point in time in their life that, um, you know, chasing the dollar is just not as important as it once was. And mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of where we, I mean, I, Jen and I just had this conversation, I think yesterday, it was like, if we can get this new place open and just do this every week, just make this much money. I'm happy. If we can just make it, and, and it's not a lot, just, you know, just make a little bit of money to pay the bills and do what we want to do. I'm perfectly happy with that. It, I, I have no uh, real aspirations of growing this brewery into the a behemoth of any means. I mean, I just, uh, you know, we're at that point, we just want to go in and have some fun and, and create a nice product and, and uh, you know, be something, something to be proud of. Yeah. And, and be something for the community. I mean, that's, that's where we are. Noreen, does that square? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think that goes back to, I'm like over here nodding, you can't see me, but you know, it goes back <laughs> to what I'm saying, like you sort of know what your mission is, you know where you're trying to, to get to strategically, you know, you have those things, you've had those conversations, you probably have them written down somewhere, you know, going back to those things will keep your stress level and your focus and, you know, and that resonates out to your employees then too, because you're yep. you're staying on course with your mission and i think you know i think you've been through the, <laughs> the intense super super crazy stress we can't do this anymore you know and coming back to you know what you just said i think that's a, a great way to avoid burnout and probably to to help retain employees right they love for sure working at places where the mission is clear and you know that there's some boundaries and balance absolutely as they say, the only way out is through. And I think yeah. the the four of you have just given us a lot to to think about and to uh, at least have a, a little bit of a mental roadmap and financial roadmap um, as we continue on this path for however long this path is going to be with us. But um, Maureen, Rick, Jamie, Jennifer, thanks so much for being on the show this month and sharing your expertise and your insights. I, I, I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the, the listeners do as well. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, John. How have your plans changed and what are you thinking about with your brewery finances? Let us know. You can email us. It's nano at byo.com. And I'll invite you to head over to byo.com slash nano podcast and subscribe to the newsletter, the magazine, and to catch up with great pro brewing content. New episodes of the show are released on the 15th of every month. So subscribe now and never miss a show when it's released. And you can also do us a favor by leaving feedback on your podcast platform of choice or by emailing us at nano at byo.com. Don't forget to check in with all of the BY social media channels. And 
as always, thanks to this episode's sponsors. Hello, Nano Brewers. Try adding a cider to your brews. Fermentus, the obvious choice for beverage fermentation, has made it really easy for you by developing four strains specifically for cider. Whether you want a crisp, sweet, or fruity cider, discover the Safe Cider range. The four cider strains are available in five gram pouches, the perfect size for you. Just make your choice or try them all. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation and for the latest on their exciting new product releases, visit Fermentus.com. And make your next lip-smacking beer with the help of Five Star Chemicals. Like most of you listening, Five Star loves a good drink. That's why Five Star makes life easier for brewers of all levels and brewing at all sizes. Sign up for Five Star's Homebrew Club for free seminars featuring big names in the industry, exclusive product testing, and 20% off of your next order. Raise a glass at fivestarchemicals.com and sign up now. And Yakima Chief Hops has the tools for your hop playbook. From classic favorites to the next exciting hop product out of the YCH R&D lab. Partnering with growers and brewers to create a robust hop supply chain and propagation to pint, YCH is the source for exciting experimental hop varietals, including HBC 586, HBC 630, and HBC 638. Explore novel aroma profiles, discover new recipes, and get creative with experimental hop varieties. Learn more at yakimachief.com. And you can get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's new Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nano plus for more details. I'm John Hall, and you can still find me weekly behind the microphone on the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast, as well as Steal This Beer. You can find those where podcasts are found, and I hope you'll tune in. Our theme music was created by Scott McCampbell, and we thank him for that. And once again, be sure to check out byo.com slash nanopodcast for all of your nano brewing needs. And for now, we're going to wish you all the best for a small but successful brew day.